family. It's me, your host, Emily. I am glad you're here. We are, of course, still in season five, where we're talking about Jim Henson and his creations. Today, we're discussing their fifth theatrical release. We skipped number four, if you remember. That was The Muppet Christmas Carol, and I already talked about that one back in December when we did our Christmas interlude. I think it was during... Was That was during the musicals. I think it was musical season. <laughs> I, I I can't believe it's season five. It's still hard for me to believe. So we're skipping ahead, though, to the fifth theatrical release, The Muppet Treasure Island. And in all honesty, it's not my favorite. The songs are kind of mediocre, and I have a hard time liking Jim. Just throwing that out there. But we'll talk about that a little, le- little later. It does, of course, have Tim Curry. And in my eyes, Tim Curry can do no wrong, and he was perfect in his role. But the rest of the movie... I just don't think is up to par. We are, however, almost done talking about the theatrical movies. I was trying to look and see what we have coming up. I know next week we're going to be talking about The Muppets starring Jason Segel. We are not going to be talking about Muppets Most Wanted. Again, it's just not its not one of my favorites. There are some fun cameos in that one, and I do really like Ricky Gervais um, in that one, but it's just, we're going to skip that one because I wanted to leave time to also talk about Labyrinth. We can't not talk about Labyrinth, and Watson is going to be joining us for that episode. We're going to be talking about Jim, um, Jim Henson's Storyteller, Dark Crystal, Fraggle Rock, and then the last episode of the season is all of the things that I wanted to talk about without this going on for 20 episodes. So in that last season, we're going to be talking about Follow That Bird, which I don't, maybe you've heard about. I love it. I have watched it. I can't even tell you how many times. It's more Sesame Street than the Muppets, but the Muppets do make cameos in there. The Frog Prince, which came out either in the 70s or 80s. Um, I won't, I won't sing the song now, (laughs) but maybe I'll sing for you later. But it is a retelling of the Frog Prince where Robin, uh, the little the little frog, it's like Kermit's nephew or something, he plays the frog prince, and the princess has been cursed by um, Aunt Tamanella, which is the, the backwards way of saying the woman's name. We're also going to talk a little bit about Sesame Street, The Muppet Show, and also about Mirror Mask, which does not include the Muppets, but it is something that the Jim Henson Production Company worked on. It's kind of a trippy sci-fi family story in a sense. If you're not familiar with it, we'll talk a little bit about that. So I'm shoving a lot into that last episode because I want to make sure we talk about all of those things. But today, we'll get to all of that. But today, we are talking about The Muppet Treasure Island, which came out in 1996. Um, And it was, of course, adapted from the 1883 classic by Robert Louis Stevenson. So if you are familiar with the story of Treasure Island. This is going to feel very familiar, but of course, with our Muppet friends. So let's get started with the summary. Slightly off topic before we do that. Uh, starting with the Muppet Christmas Carol, they created this this logo, and I've always loved the logo intro, where it's a almost a laser engraving of a silhouette of Kermit's head, and then it raises up so you can actually see what the silhouette is, and then there's like this, hmm, how to describe it, like a Tinkerbell-esque light that makes this noise and because becomes the dot on the eye in Jim Henson Productions. It's just really cute. And I don't think, I don't own the DVD. So I don't know if there's anything cool about the, the DVD home screen. But if you're 
if you think back to the Muppet Christmas Carol, they have an awesome, they did a lot right during this period. Um, and they did an awesome opening home screen where you hit play for the Muppet Christmas Carol, where Kermit just kind of keeps peeking out. It's like, you ready? You know, kind of thing. And it's adorable. But I, I need, I guess I need to check out the Muppet Treasure Island from my local library to see if they do anything fun with, with that. I, 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 I don't know. Again, this is not one of my favorites. But anyway, let's just dive in. So we have Billy Bones, played by the iconic Billy Connolly, and he opens the movie with a bit of a voiceover exposition about Captain Flint, an old pirate, and his crew, and an island, and a buried treasure. Then we get a sea shanty with an... <laughs> Just a side note, I am a sucker for a sea shanty. They get stuck in my head a lot. There's not a lot of them out there that you can really find on the Spotify's or the Apple Music's, but I find them when I can and I listen to them because they just bring me joy. I think it's the, the rhythm of it, since I don't have any rhythm, the rhythm is nice because it kind of helps me out. Anyway, so we get this sea shanty, which we'll talk more about at the end of the episode as we go through the songs which gives us a little bit of additional exposition about the dangers of being a pirate when treasure is involved. So fade to a seaside pub with Bones, Billy Bones, drinking away, finishing his story. After burying the treasure, Flint killed the entire crew and left the island. The plan was to go back for the treasure at a later time, but he died before he could get there. And so the as far as everyone knows, if this tale is true, there is a treasure hidden somewhere on this island and there is a treasure map. So somewhere someone has a, a map to Flint's treasure. Billy Bones jokingly teases that maybe Jim Hawkins has it. Jim is this young boy who works at the pub. He doesn't seem to have a family. He's kind of an orphan. To which Jim replies that he wouldn't be working in there if he did. And then we meet Gonzo and Rizzo who play Gonzo and Rizzo. That is something I really like about this too. In the opening credits of the movie, they list like, in the role of Captain Smollett is Kermit the Frog. They have them as real people, as real characters, as real entities. And I absolutely love that. Of course, the puppeteers and the voice actors are included at the end of the movie, but I love how they have the Muppets themselves as starring characters in the movie. Ah, it's just so good. So, um, Jim's like, no, I wouldn't be working here if I knew where treasure was. Gonzo and Rizzo are there adding some flavor to the place. They are Jim's best friends. Um, one of a running gag throughout the movie is that often Rizzo is like, I'm, you know, refers to himself as a rat and then points to Gonzo and Gonzo's just like, I'm a something. I don't know. <laughs> so you start to get that a little bit, which leads us to, uh, Muppets in Space, which I guess we are not talking about. Maybe I'll throw that in the last episode as well, where it's all about Gonzo's search to figure out who and what he is. But that's a different movie. So then Billy Bones warns about the one-legged man. He's intent on telling them, beware of the one-legged man who brings much death. He's starting to get a little feisty from so much rum. And so the barmaid or the bar owner, the pub owner, she comes in, stomps in and kicks everyone out. Apparently they were well past last call and Billy Bones heads on up to his room. And she tells Jim, Gonzo and Rizzo that they need to clean up for the night, including turning off the gaslight um, outside of the building. So as they're doing all of that, we're treated to another song already it's very quick about Jim wanting a different life it's a nice song it's a fine song we'll talk more about it later <laughs> it, it's it, it's a good song um 
And then as they finish up, Billy Bones comes back down the stairs from his room demanding another drink. And then there's a knock on the door. And that's when we meet a bumpet named Blind Pew, a visually challenged fiend, uh, which they think is the politically correct way to say that. Um, so it's this this blind pirate who is looking for Billy Bones. He stumbles around the pub looking for his prey. And once he's found him, Billy stands there. He, he actually cocks the, the a gun. He's going to try to shoot him. And the pi- the blind pirate hears that, does some like martial arts moves and ends up, you know, right in front of Billy taking the gun away. And he gives him the black spot, which is a pirate's promise that death is coming. Terrified, Billy runs up to his room to pack, thinking he can escape his fate, but then promptly gasps and collapses. It's very quick. We get Gonzo and Rizzo breaking the fourth wall to comment that they thought this was a kid's movie. How could somebody die so quickly? Taking up just about the same role they had in Muppets Christmas Carol. A little bit of narration from time to time. Definitely some comedic relief. But Billy is only mostly dead. Wink, wink, if you like The Princess Bride. And motions Jim to look in his sea chest for Flint's map. Turns out Bones was one of Flint's first mate's after the treasure was buried, and now the rest of the crew is after him because they know that he has the map. Billy Bones warns them to beware right before becoming completely dead, and as our tiny posse start to kind of freak out that they're in the room with a dead person, Flint's crew storms into the pub with guns and torches. The barmaid, bar owner, whatever she had is holds her own. She comes running down the stairs, wakes up from her sleep, comes running down the stairs and kind of holds her own as the pub burns to the ground and Jim, Gonzo, and Rizzo escape. They then hitch a ride to a nearby town and they are heading to Trelawney and Sun Master Shipbuilders to see if they can find a ship that will take them to the treasure. And that's where they meet the squire, played by the adorable Fozzie Bear, and Mr. Bimbo, (laughs) the imaginary man that lives in Trelawney's finger, to which Rizzo says, I smell a bozo, which is my favorite line in the whole movie. Love it. Uh, Love that rap. So their conversation about the map is interrupted when Beaker is literally fired into the room like a cannonball by Dr. Livesay, of course, played by Professor Honeydew. These are people that work for Fozzie, the squire's, Mr. Trelawney's father. Um, And Squire Trelawney then agrees to finance the trip and gathers a crew for the Hispaniola, which is captained by Captain Smollett, the hunky Kermit the Frog, who is mild-mannered and kind and an old acquaintance of Jim's father. So Fozzie has agreed to fund the entire trip. He's going to go on with Beaker and Dr. Livesay since they work for him. And of course, Mr. Bimbo, Mr. Bimble, Mr. Bimble, Bimbo, Bimble. I can't remember now. Uh, The little man that lives in his finger. The crew is a diverse collection of Muppets and humans, including Long John Silver, a one-legged pirate played by Tim Curry. The fact that he's missing a leg gives them pause because of Billy Bones' warning, but Silver is such a likable guy that it's hard to stay away from him. So as the ship sets sail, we get another peppy song out of a sea shanty ilk, where we are also introduced to a group of rats that are on the ship like a 
pleasure cruise. Um, it's all about the, the spirit of adventure. Hey, we're heading out into the open ocean. This is going to be a good time. Uh, by the end of the song and a quick roll call though, Captain Kermit Smollett immediately recognizes that the crew is made up almost entirely of shifty pirates and warns the other officers, which is Trelawney, Beaker, the, the doctor, Jim, Gonzo, and Rizzo. Oh, and Mr. Arrow played by Sam the Eagle. Uh, Captain Smallest right-hand man. He warns them all that they need to be on alert, that this is going to be a rough trip because, you know, they're surrounded by pirates. So they are now out on the open sea. And as the voyage continues, Jim grows closer to Silver, who is slowly, intentionally trying to separate him from his friends. We discover that Captain Smollett covets the picture of a long-lost love, Bet you can guess who that is. And that the pirate crew knows about the treasure map because a couple of them decide to kidnap and torture Gonzo and Rizzo for information. They get caught, though, and locked in the brig. But Smollett forces at this point. Smollett at one point had asked Jim, hey, why don't you give me the map to hold to keep it safe? Jim's like, you know what, sir, I would rather keep it on me, and Smollett lets it go. But at this point, because there has been torture involved now, he's like, no, no, I'm pulling rank here. You're going to give me the map to hold on to. So he takes the map from Jim, and Mr. Arrow locks it away safely in a cab cabinet. So then the winds stop, as always happens in a movie with any kind of a ship. And the ship is just kind of dead in the water, leading to a serious case of cabin fever. And of course, another song, which we'll talk about. Jim lets it slip to Silver about the map. Uh, and he starts to kind of put his, Silver starts to put his plan into action. So his first step is to lure Mr. Arrow, Smollett's right-hand man, onto a lifeboat for safety reasons. He starts talking about, you know what? I don't think these lifeboats are safe. You know, Mr. Arrow, who is all about the safety and doing things right, decides to test one out. So he gets in the boat, and as he gets in the boat and, and Silver's going to, you know, let him down into the water to see if it sinks or not, he says, you know what, just to be safe, maybe you should leave your leave your keys with me. So that is what Arrow does. He throws him his keys. Arrow then goes floating off into the open ocean while Silver now has the key that can open the cabinet that's holding the map. He also has the key to let his fellow pirates out of the brig after kidnapping Gonzo and Rizzo. So Jim, Gonzo, and Rizzo, they are hiding and they're eating apples in a barrel, as one does in a boat, I guess. And they end up overhearing Silver's plan to have Smollett steer them closer to the island before launching a mutiny mere seconds before they hear Land Ahoy. So Jim then immediately goes to the captain, warns Smollett um, about, not only about Arrow, but, you know, that some that Silver has the map and he wants the treasure. And Smollett's like, you know what, let it happen. Let's just let them go. We'll figure out what to do. We know they're going to be on the island. We're, we know where they're going to be at. This is a good plan. But then uh, Jim is kidnapped of sorts by Silver. He grabs him as they are in a lifeboat. So now Jim is being forced to go to the island and and Smollett realizes he's going to have to go get him. And that's where Silver then leads the pirate crew in a song about being a professional pirate. It is 
Tim Curry's big song number in the movie, and it's a good one. So while the song is going on, Smollett, Gonzo, and Rizzo hop into one of the remaining lifeboats for a rescue mission right before a few members of Silver's crew that were hiding on the boat take control. The mutiny has happened, but Smollett, Gonzo, and Rizzo have gotten away. Everybody else on board, Trelawney, um, the the rats who are on a pleasure cruise, the Beaker and the Dr. Honeydew, I forget what, Professor Honeydew, the doctor, they are all now hostages on this boat, right? Um, so our three heroes are just, they, they get to the island, they decide it's too late to do anything, so they are just going to lay down and go to sleep, <laughs> which seems an odd choice when you, there's a rescue miss, mission involved. But just as they are about to fall asleep, they are surrounded by the native tribe and taken to their village. They're tied to poles and they're offered up as, I guess, kind of a sacrifice to their queen, Boom Shakalaka, who, spoiler, turns out to be Benjamina Gunn, played by, of course, Miss Piggy, Kermit Smollett's long-lost love who immediately defers to violence by punching him. She's always violent, that piggy. So back to Silver and Jim, following the map, they find the not-so-buried chests, treasure chests, only to discover that the treasure is gone. There's no gold in the treasures. The crew then kind of turns on their pirate captain, Silver, who helps Jim flee because it turns out he really does like the kid. So Jim has gotten away. It appears that Silver is now in the hands of his pirate crew. Jim hurries to find Gonzo and Rizzo. He finds them very quickly. I, I don't think much time has passed. He knew exactly where to go, and he goes and saves them, which doesn't make any sense. He helps them escape, and the three then go to look for help. Silver is tied up by the crew and given the black spot, that promise of a pirate death. But because he's very manipulative and these pirates are very dumb, uh, after a few quick words, he convinces them to release him. So now Silver is free. He's like, we're going to go find that treasure. It has to be somewhere on this island. Our hero trio, meanwhile, they head to the beach to look for a boat, but they've all been scuttled. Uh, but they do discover, of course, just by coincidence, Mr. Arrow, who just happens by in the lifeboat that did not have a hole in it, was perfectly safe. <laughs> Meanwhile, Benjamina and Smollett are having a lover's spat, where we discover that Smollett left Benjamina at the altar after getting cold feet. And if we, I know this is its own separate story, but if we understand and know the history of Kermit the Frog and Piggy, Maybe it's because she usually tricks him into matrimony. That's why he left her at the altar. That's all I got to say about that. So then Silver and his pirate crew catch up to the lovebirds, and it's revealed actually that Long John Silver and Benjamina also have a past. They were once in a relationship. Um, so now Kermit and and Benjamina and Piggy become new hostages because Silver is convinced the pig knows where the gold is being stashed. Meanwhile, Arrow, Jim, Gonzo, and Rizzo sneak back onto the Hispaniola to regain control. They free Trelawney, Beaker, and the Doctor and decide to take a paranormal route to scare the pirates off the ship. So Mr. Arrow comes up um, from underneath the ship and he's kind of dressed like a ghost <laughs> because pirates are notoriously superstitious. It immediately works because why wouldn't it? And all the pirates jump off the ship. And so they set sail toward the island to save their captain and to stop Silver. 
with Captain Smollett strung up over a cliff. They've got him, Kermit's hide by his feet and he's hanging over the side of the cliff. Benjamin, there, Silver is like really pushing her for information. Where did you hide the treasure? Benjamina squeals, wink, wink, about where she hid the gold and silver. And after she tells them, he, she gets strung up as well. So now she's hanging over the cliff as well. And as the lovers hang upside down above the abyss, they share a sweet song. And there's a bit of a montage with Silver finding his lost treasure where Piggy had told him it was going to be. They, the pirates load up a lifeboat and are about to set sail, but discover um, that the, their pirate friends on the Hispaniola have lost control of the boat. So they have nowhere to go now. All of the pirates freak out except for Silver, uh, who is now like dead set on stopping Jim. And now it's a race to save the captain and his lady love before they fall into their death. Jim and his friends get there just in the nick of time as the ropes, the ropes were over, holding them were over an open flame. They just catch fire and break. Piggy and Kermit go plummeting to the ground, but they land on the Hispaniola. Then a fight ensues uh, between the captain, his crew, and the pirates. In all honesty, Silver and his men should have won the fight easily because there were not many officers from the boat, but the mediocre officers are surprisingly resilient, including Mr. Bimble, the man that lives in Fozzie's, Fozzie Trelawney's finger. Smollett, the dearest Kermie, seems to have silver on the ropes until he gets overly excited and loses control of his sword. This is kind of a weird scene. They have him jumping, and you can you can tell some computer images were kind of used for that. I think it's really the first time in all of the Muppet movies that I noticed that they have started moving towards digital effects versus the engineering of making something work. It, it looks different. It looked a little weird. Uh, but after he loses his sword, Jim and the rest of the crew step in to help him and they... They win the fight. Long John and his men are put in the brig back on the Hispaniola and while everyone rests peacefully for the evening on the ship, Silver, though, gets freed because he still had Arrow's keys in his pocket. He loads the gold onto a lifeboat and plans to sail away. Jim catches him, but then kind of decides to let him go. Smollett tells him he's proud of him, but it turns out the lifeboat had a hole in it and Silver was in for trouble. But Jim and his friends, however, set sail on a new adventure. And they live, which I assume is happily ever after, because if you're on a boat with Kermit the Frog, there's no other way to live but then happily ever after. The end. So a few interesting tidbits about the movie. Tim Curry was given a Muppet made in the likeness of him as Long John Silver after shooting was completed. I love that. This one's funny. Hormel Foods Corporation, makers of Spam, sued the production company for making the name of a warthog, one of those tribal pigs that live on the island that were going to sacrifice Kermit to their queen, Boom Shakalaka, Piggy. They named that character Spa-Am. So I thought that was funny. Their suit was defeated on September 22nd, 1995. The judge noted that one might think Hormel would welcome the association with a genuine source of pork. Ooh, that hurt. Uh, Tim Curry had been a huge fan of the Muppets for years before doing the movie. He was stated, he stated in many interviews that he regards Captain Long John Silver as one of his favorite roles. After Jim Henson's death, Rolf the dog was not recast for several years as he was considered the character closest 
to Henson's actual personality, even more so than Kermit the Frog. In this movie, Rolf appeared but did not speak in the first scene in the tavern, which I didn't notice. I was like, oh, there's Rolf, and then he disappears. And that is a very sweet reason why. Producer and director Brian Henson said that Frank Oz was not originally a fan of Fozzie Bear's Mr. Bimble, the man who lived inside of Fozzie's finger. However, by the end of filming, Oz decided that it was one of his favorite jokes. And finally, Frank Oz was unable to perform and puppeteer his signature characters of Miss Piggy, Fozzie Bear, and Sam the Eagle as he was directing Bowfinger, which came out in 1999. Kevin Clash took over principal took over principal puppeteering no let's start that over kevin clash took over there we go principal puppeteering duties during shooting and oz re-recorded the characters voices in post-production oz had already participated in a recorded read-through of the script clash used these recordings to help prompt his performances according to clash Oz gave him a brief description of each of his characters prior to shooting. Oz described Miss Piggy as a truck driver wanting to be a woman and Fozzie Bear as somebody similar to Jerry Lewis. Oh, love that. So a few general thoughts about the movie. They definitely used the same formula that was an obvious success in The Muppet Christmas Carol. Use the Muppets to tell a human story with an actual human in the main role. They've basically relegated the Muppets to sidekicks and supporting characters. And they're very good at it. Gonzo and Rizzo especially are great side characters, which kind of makes sense because that's, you know, the same role they play in a Muppet-focused movie. But I think, in my opinion, that that may be why this is not one of my favorites. The Muppets aren't the focus of the movie. The story is about Jem and Long John Silver and their relationship, their conflict. The Muppets are just there as tools for narration and comedic timing. They play a much bigger role in Christmas Carol. I mean, Kermit is the one that kind of leads everybody at the beginning of the movie towards Christmas, gives um, the heart of the story where Scrooge is is that evil force that they feel um and you get you get more highlights especially with Rizzo and Gonzo where it is a focus on the Muppets and the storytelling and I think that's that might be why this is just not one of my favorites it's not one of the strongest of their movies it's still okay it's still worth a rewatch especially for Tim Curry but it's just not one of my favorites but now, are you ready for the, the song rundown? There were seven songs in this one, um, and there were a couple that it was like, yeah, they're going to be, they're, I'm just going to talk about them real quick because they're not my favorites. And then it gets a little harder as we go along. So we're going to give number seven to Love Let Us Hear, the weakest of the Kermit Piggy pairing songs. It just didn't have the emotional punch that you get, uh, especially from He'll Make Me Happy in Muppets Take Manhattan. <laughs> Because we, as we made note of that in the last episode, it is my favorite. But especially since they're hanging over a cliff and potentially about to die, it just seems kind of bland. Number six, I'm giving to Cabin Fever. It's a great idea, a song all about the crew going a little bonkers on the open sea, but it's not cohesive and it's not very long. Everyone just kind of felt like they were doing their own thing. It just could have been better, I thought. So this is where it gets kind of hard. Going, I'm going to go um, with Shimber, Shiver My Timbers for number five. It's the opening song with a bit of exposition. It's a good tune. Of course, it's that, that sea shanty feel. 
just doesn't include many of the Muppets and their personalities, which I think is really important in their song. So putting it a little lower on the list. Number four, I am giving to Boom Shakalaka with Spa'am and his tribal warriors. Another fun and creative offering as Kermit, Gonzo, and Rizzo are introduced to the inhabitants of the island and it's revealed that Benjamina has been hanging out on the island. Kermit is under duress though during the song, so it just obviously can't be number one. Number three is really a tie with number two but I don't really like ties. So something had to win. So number three, I'm going to go with sailing for adventure. It's the whole crew singing together about setting sail. You also get to see a lot of Muppets and the rat interjections about their pleasure cruise are a good time. So giving that one sailing for adventure, number three, which means number two goes to a professional pirate silver solo of sorts. It's a lot of fun and has a very memorable melody. And I just, I love Tim Curry. I'm glad they got to he got a spotlight with a song in that movie. He even refers to it that hey, this is my this is my big song. You know, give me room. And despite the fact that Jim's singing voice is far too high for my liking and a little like nails on a chalkboard, number 1 goes to something better. It's all about dreaming and hoping for something more, and it just happens to be the slightly saddish melancholy song, which I always kind of love in a Muppet movie. So why is it worth the rewatch? Tim Curry. <laughs> Tim Curry. Watch it for Tim Curry. And Sam the Eagle. He's a good time in this one as Mr. Arrow. He he has a few lines. Not quite as good at Muppet, as Muppet Christmas Carol, but he's got some good lines. So do Gonzo and Rizzo. Those three just, they kind of kill me. They're hilarious. But that is it for today. Thank you so much for listening. Really, it is so appreciated. If you haven't already, I hope you subscribe so we can keep going on this journey together. You're not going to want to miss the Muppets that we talk about next week with Jason Siegel or the Labyrinth with Watson or the Dark Crystal. Oh, there's so many good episodes coming. I'm so excited. And if you've got the time, it would be awesome if you could rate and review. So that other individuals just like you who apparently like random conversations about pop culture with me, someone who doesn't really know what they're talking about, if, if you rate and review, they can, you know, other people will find us as well and have just as much as fun, just as much fun as we are having today. Or if you want to share the podcast, that would be awesome too. You can follow me on Instagram and Twitter at at GnomeGirlM and on Facebook as a bit of fun with Emily. Go have yourself a bit of fun today and I will see you next time. Thank you.